podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Boss man, before we got on the air, you're dying over there. Let us know what's going, what's going on. Oh my god! You were doing some math. No wonder you're in pain. I just pulled out the calculator. <laughs> this is a special show, but I didn't realize how much of my life this show has been. Honestly, you didn't remember when we started the show. It just all I didn't for remember you. when. No, for some reason, everything is like three or four years ago in my head. Like everything just happened three or four years ago. But this is our 400th episode. And when you divide 400 by 52, you get 7.69. Right. And that's the friendly number because we didn't do 52 shows a year, every year. So essentially what you're telling me is eight years we've been on these microphones. Yeah. I got to pull up my calculator, something like that. It's a long time, don't you? I mean, you sort of feel like we should have accomplished more. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> we had a lot of sort of brainstorms about what this show was going to be. Maybe something special, cool. Turns out it's just me having a little mini breakdown before we record as I pull out my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one of our favorite episode formats and one that... We hope to do more of in the future, and that's where we're going to answer your questions. And just to get this out of the way, to get some head trash out of the way, I want to say something about how we're answering questions, because we really appreciate it when you guys write into us, and it helps us to, they're like prompts, you know? It's like, I'm going to help these jokers out. They've been podcasting for the better part of a decade. They need ideas. And that's really how we look at these questions. And so sometimes I feel bad, Ian, like I'm not giving a good answer to the question, you know? And I just want to sort of set that up in advance that we appreciate your prompts and your inspiration, giving us issues that you feel like uh, would be good for the show. You know this, Dan, but just for the listeners out there, one of our favorite radio shows is Loveline. And if you listen to Loveline, the format's pretty interesting. So someone calls in, they say, I have this problem, my husband, I think he might be cheating on me, something like this, right? They never really answer the question. They use it as a jumping off point to talk about whatever issues they want to talk about and are relevant to what's going on at that time or the state of affairs, etc. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they say, you know, you need to get off of this phone call and call somebody else <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's tricky sometimes because you don't know all the context. Obviously, we don't know the background of these questions, but it is a chance for us to share the lessons that we've learned interacting with thousands of people in this community. I think one of the things we've been able to do over the years, Ian, is see patterns. And as prompted by the listeners of this show, we can try to reveal the patterns, the frameworks, the stories that might be useful to you in your entrepreneurial journey and the journey to financial freedom, which is one of our topics we're going to talk about today. So if you want to call into the show, so to speak, you can do so right on your telephone. You can just click that voice memos app or voice recorder and email it into jane at tropicalmba.com. Or if you have a question, we have a form on the website. It's at tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. If you subscribe to this show, We'll send you an email with a simple form where you can get involved and get on the show. And by the way, we have a little checkbox there whether or not uh, most questioners, it turns out, Ian, want to be anonymous, and we would totally respect that. But if you want us to read your name out on the show, we're happy to do that as well. 
Anything to add before we get into number big number 400 here? No, man. Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. Show notes and a chance for you to discuss this episode will be at tropicalmba.com slash 400. All right. So let's get on to our first question for today. Robert from Boston writes, me and my wife both have comfortable, reliable jobs with good skill sets, but we're feeling burnt out. Recently, I've been struggling with getting out of my comfort zone and my work. You know, he's gainfully employed because things seem to be coming so easily, even though eventually the good times will come to an end. Comfy bed syndrome. Are you aware of comfy bed syndrome? No, but I like the sound of it. (laughs) My wife and I scheduled a month-long sabbatical coming up with part of my hope being I can jumpstart my creative and entrepreneurial spirit. A luxury walkabout, if you will. Financially, we're in good shape, but we're not financially independent, which in the financial world is called FI. What practices or exercise or things we can listen to or read that you can help recommend with this process? And by the way, super excited to hear you guys talk about Chiang Mai and Koh Samui because they're both stops on the sabbatical trip. Cheers, Robert from Boston. Okay, awesome. This is a good question. Let's let's start with this idea of a sabbatical. A sabbatical, to my understanding, is most popular in the academic space. So you have a professor who teaches the same thing to the same class on the same campus year after year after year, which is like a lot of us feel in our careers. And the sabbatical is this opportunity that comes along once every, and if you've ever met a professor, they're all talking about, you know, what are they going to do during the sabbatical? It's a chance to have some time off from the grind and to focus on something that really truly interests you. And I can understand if I'm Robert, I'm like looking forward to this as the time of my life. So how are you going to get the most out of it? Robert's position isn't different than a lot of people's position. You know, they're trying to figure out a way to better themselves. They're not financially independent. They want to be financially independent. They're taking this opportunity to kind of get their thoughts together, right? Because when you're in a job, when you're in a nine to five, you don't own a lot of your time. And so you don't have a lot of time to figure out how this might work out for you. So I understand completely why you would want a couple months off from that situation to figure out how to improve your situation. Now, back to the idea of a sabbatical, right? So the way you described it is I'm a professor, I've got some time off. And what you described these professors doing in their time off was actually continuing to work, which I think is interesting. So I go to another university, I write a book, I develop a thesis on something that I believe in my line of work, right? You visit like some experimental goat farm, do some research. Something like that. (laughs) But the way you're describing it isn't actually a vacation. It's not actually a break from your work. It's a way to discover innovation outside of your work. To innovate. For sure. I think in the context of maybe what you're saying is in the, in the context of traditionally what a sabbatical is, what Robert's talking about isn't necessarily a sabbatical. It's time off from his grind. It's time off from his trajectory to maybe figure out a new trajectory. So what would you do with that time off if you were trying to figure out a new trajectory? Okay. The first thing I would do is I'd do a dream line. And we got a whole episode about this, but this is an idea first introduced to me by Tim Ferriss, the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, which is a working model of financial independence. So if what we're doing this all for is financial independence, and the sabbatical is partly to help us to kind of clear the weeds away from our thinking and think about what 
a lifestyle of freedom means to us, then we got to get some ink to it, right? Because this concept can't stay fuzzy. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our working model of financial independence? So the interesting thing about the dream line is it asks you questions like, what are things that you want to be doing? So if you want to take a sabbatical every year and your career doesn't afford that to you, now all of a sudden that we got some ink on the paper, you've got a real problem that you need to solve, which is I want a sabbatical every year, which I think we can all agree is an amazing thing. I, I love going on a little luxury walkabout myself. But if your career doesn't offer that to you, now all of a sudden we're not in a situation of comfort anymore. We're in a situation where our back is up against the wall. I've got an imminent problem here and my career isn't helping me to solve it. So that's one of the reasons I like this concept of a dream line. It's a working model because the other thing you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, well, maybe financial independence just means having a million bucks in the bank. Okay. Is that your working model? Let's write it down on a piece of paper. If I remember correctly, it was uh, being, having, doing. Those were the categories of the dream line. That's right. Sometimes they conflict with each other and sometimes you figure out, now I have this thing, I don't really want it. And so sure. that's why it's important to do this pretty regularly. And almost nobody writes down having $1 million in the bank, right? Because that isn't one of their goals in their life. Like their goals are, I want to be going on more sabbaticals. I want to be visiting new places in the world. I want to be working with cooler people. And when you put those sorts of goals down, you can start to realize that hmm, maybe cash isn't the constraint here. Maybe the constraint's bravery. Maybe the constraint's knowledge. You know, maybe the constraint is my career itself. That was the punchline for me when I did my first dream line was that all the things I wanted, I couldn't really purchase them. You know, some of the best things in life, they're not free, but they don't cost money either, right? You got to work to get them. Now, that's one of the magical things about, uh, we just had an event here in Barcelona a few days ago, 20 people came. You couldn't buy your way into this event. It's amazing. Like everybody around the table had built these special businesses and they all had something to share with each other. And nobody in that room had bought it through buying a course online or... They had accomplished it, Yeah, basically. Everybody had accomplished it. And I want to get back to some of the things that Robert said in his message to us. He said that he's struggling to get out of his comfort zone. He's basically in a nice nice bed, right? And I understand this bed. Yeah, he's in a golden handcuffs bed. And I just want to... The golden handcuffs bed. Uh, <laughs> now, what are you accusing Robert of? I think that he is smart enough to recognize the position he's in, and then he can also see where other people are, and he might want to be there. And so it's worth experimenting with that. But let's just talk about being comfortable for a minute here. Being comfortable specifically in America. I think that a lot of people in this country, and I live in Austin, Texas, a lot of people in this country are in the same position that Robert's in, which is they have a great job that pays very well, and they probably have some debt. The reason they have to go to that job every day is to pay off that debt. And the reason they're in debt is because they have a lifestyle that they can't really afford. In this country, I think people live very, very well in debt. You can look and live almost like a rock star and have zero cash. And that's something, it's hard to get away from that, Dan. It's a great deal for a lot of people, you know? I got all these cars, I got this nice house, I got all this stuff. But what I don't have is personal freedom. And I think a lot of people in this country are starting to realize that it's a deal with the devil. It ain't the life of the entrepreneur. It's a bit different being an entrepreneur because it's a long haul. And you got to be different. You're going to be the weirdo at the dinner table. 
You're going to be the alien descending on the Thanksgiving turkey. And people are going to really uh, look at you like you need some kind of intervention for the first five years. Right. That's true. That's universal. Here's the other thing that happens to Robert if he quits his job. I think that this is why it makes it so difficult for people in this position to carry through with this is you have to be poor. And I'm not talking about the type of poor that some people are around this world. There is extreme poverty going on in a lot of different places. And that's not what I'm necessarily talking about. I'm talking about doing things that make you feel extremely uncomfortable, living like you're a teenager again, not having expensive, fancy things, having your peers look at you in this weird way, right? Like, why are you subjecting yourself to this kind of uncomfortable lifestyle. Can't you see if you just had a couple credit cards, you could live like us? You will put yourself in very awkward social situations. And what I've seen and what we've seen together, Dan, is on the other side of that hump, there's something pretty amazing. And and that is true financial independence and true ownership of your time. And I believe that it can, in most cases, only be achieved if you go through that trough, if you go through that poorness. And oftentimes, uh, true financial independence uh, doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. It might look like a a pair of beat-up plaid pajamas or a 15-year-old F-150 or a friendship crew that that looks like a bunch of misfits. Yeah. As both mine and and yours does. No offense to our friends. But maybe it makes sense then to use the sabbatical to seek out these people, to meet with them, to interview them, to inventory their lifestyle and ask yourself, do you want to be like that? You know, is that the types of people that you can be with? I think both you and I, Dan, have done a decent job of this throughout our life. And that's meeting people that we look up to or meeting people with alternative lifestyles and, and really getting to know these people and understand how they operate. And a lot of that's just like a, it's a purely selfish journey, right? It's like, hey, do I want to be like this person when I quote grow up? But the exercise is real, and I think it's important, yeah, like you said, to spend time with people you think you might want to be like down the line. How do you find these people, Dan? It's kind of like a mentorship situation, right? Like You kind of have to have something to offer to them. In exchange, they kind of open up the kingdom to you and show you their lifestyle. Do you have an example of somebody like that and how you courted that relationship? Well, I'll just say that I've seen it happen that there's people that are interested in the lifestyle and they show up really briefly, and they're kind of hair on fire with the ideas, but they're not willing to invest time in it because they don't have it or, you know, they don't trust that it's going to work out or whatever. And I guess the punchline to this is, is time. Like you do need a great deal of time to build trust. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, you build trust over time by offering things to people for free. The practicality of that It's really quite simple, assuming you don't have mountains and mountains of debt. It's sell all your expensive shit and live in an apartment in a city that you can actually afford to live in and give yourself a year or two of runway. And are you up for talking about some sponsors? Let's talk about a company that makes this show possible. Hmm. You up for it? I think I know who you're going to talk about. One of the critiques that we receive, Ian, is that we make it sound intimidating to start a business or to get started with entrepreneurship, or to build a new and better business. And today's sponsor makes it simple. I'm serious. Today's sponsor is junglescout.com. And Jungle Scout is a suite of tools that basically helps you grow profitable businesses on Amazon. There's hardly an easier way to get started with 
building a business online, seriously. In the Amazon ecosystem, it's got to be one of the easiest ways to go from nothing to something. If you're sitting there listening to this episode thinking, man, I'd really like to start a better business. I'd like to learn something new or I'd like to get started with my first business. Or if you sell on Amazon, this is a no-brainer. Check out junglescout.com slash TMBA. Basically, Jungle Scout helps you identify profitable products to sell on Amazon. So you don't need to rack your brain. The tool does it for you. Literally, they have a step-by-step guide. They have case studies that show you how to do this. So there's no excuses. There's nothing difficult about it. You just got to head over to junglescout.com slash TMBA, download the guide, check out the case studies, and big thanks to uh, the folks of junglescout.com. And the founder of Jungle Scout's actually been on the show. So if you want to hear a little of the backstory, check out episode 324. The Amazon Gold Rush. A lot of people making money on Amazon, boss man. Are you one of them? I'm very close to a lot of people that are making money on Amazon. I myself have made a few dollars on Amazon, yes, in the past. JungleScout.com slash TMBA. Check it out. And thanks for helping to make this program possible. Next email. Hey, hey guys. My wife just sent me your Middle Class Mind article, and it really resonated with me. I've been a successful salesperson and sales manager for over 10 years now, but just quit my job a few weeks ago because I was sick of the rat race and frustrated because I believe I can do better. We believe too, Matt. I've taken the last few weeks to really think about my core strengths and competencies, my passions and my values, and I'm about to embark on starting an executive coaching and consulting practice. I'm grateful for your perspective. I look forward to your content. Thanks for living your mission, Matt. Catch us up on this article, Dan. You wrote it a couple months ago. It's called Middle Class Mind. Yeah, I want to talk about the middle class mind. It was this idea. I was in a bar in Barcelona. As many stories, this podcast, they begin in a bar somewhere. And there was this joke. There was about, you know, nine or 10 of us in the bar and having a couple of brilliant gin and tonics in this really artisanal, cool place. And, you know, it wasn't cheap, boss, man. These drinks were uh, 12 bucks a pop. I've been there. So we had made it. We had made (laughs) it. And there was this joke that can get circulated in sort of the entrepreneurial world, which is essentially, what a shame all of those nomadic types who've baselined in Thailand and have just convinced themselves that they're living the dream, calling themselves, quote, entrepreneurs, but really just scooting by on a couple thousand dollars a month. And this kind of criticism particularly when you're in a fancy bar in a first world country in an elegant place will get you laughs because it's sort of this in-group, out-group thing. It's like, yeah, definitely we are not those people. We are... Right. We're hanging out in Barcelona. This is not Phuket. Exactly. These drinks are $12 over there. They're $3. <laughs> and I get offended by this kind of thinking. And I just... I look... I'm willing to laugh at almost any kind of crude joke that gets tossed out in a bar. But for some reason, like this is the one that I take umbrage at. Like this is the joke that I will get offended. And part of the reason is, is that I feel like that sort of entrepreneurial pressure is the same kind of pressure that I felt when I was a middle-class person in the United States. It's this idea of like, you're not good enough for us. We need you to perform better. We need you to make more money in order to have this kind of consumption level that we all agree is up to our standards so that you can fit in. And the problem is, is like that kind of social stress 
it pressures people into making poor financial bargains. Like it all came home for me because a few nights later, I met with the guy that was basically the butt of that joke, you know? So this guy had a great degree. He had a young family. And he was saying, you know, I have this little thing going. I'm making a couple grand a month. And he wasn't living in Thailand. Okay. And he was like, and I got all my friends on Facebook back home, getting their first homes, getting promotions. You know, their kids are going to grow up with the backyard. My kids are going to grow up with an apartment lease. And he's stressed. This is real. This is real life, you know? Yeah. And you go to that bar and you hear the laughs and it feels just like the... I'm better because I drive a Lexus and not because I drive a car that's paid for in cash, an entrepreneur mobile. And right. And so the point of the article is essentially the middle class mind is one that has come to identify with money. Those who have it can believe that the amount they earn says something important about who they are. This is like a whole kind of like weird mind game because look, this is a business podcast. We're identifying as entrepreneurs. In some ways, we're obsessed with money, right? Like that's a, our whole thing revolves around money. But there's a difference between building organizations that generate income and identifying your own self-worth with the amount of money that you make. And if you do that, you can tend to make short-term bargains that don't make sense. And part of my thesis that I'm developing here, Ian, and I've seen over the years is that it's people that are willing to do the things that others aren't, to live off of a few thousand dollars a month for a few years in order to expose themselves to opportunities and knowledge that end up having the chance to get rich, the chance to get wealthy. Whereas if you instead say, you know what, I have to be, quote, respectable. So I'm going to get engaged in all the projects that are going to return me respectable income. Well, then you're never going to have the opportunity to expose yourselves to the real, the bigger opportunities. That's kind of the point I'm driving at. This goes back to the first point, which is this middle-class mindset. There's a lot of herd mentality going on there. And if you if you try and stray from the herd, and I've seen it happen a million times, you're going to get a ton of social pressure from those people in that community because they don't want to see the reality that they're all a part of some kind of system. you know, And they don't want to see you break free of that and be successful. And there's a lot of social pressure around that. Now, that being said, I think that you know, I can't speak for the rest of the world, Dan, but I think in America specifically, people are extremely insecure. People are are constantly pitting themselves against other people and, and trying to figure out if they're as successful as somebody else, if they're as good looking as somebody else. And now you're competing with everybody because everybody out there on Instagram talking about how gangster. And let me tell you something about Instagram real quick here, Dan. I can't tell you how many people I know on Instagram that make $40,000 a year that make it look like they make $250,000 a year. I meet these people in person. They perpetrate a life that they probably don't actually live. So (laughs) getting back to the middle class mindset, though, it's extremely difficult to pull yourself out of that and still be friends with a lot of these people because you're going to be doing extreme, extreme things in your life. If you're not making $100,000 a year from your own business that you've set up, the problem set that you're encountering right now is probably psychological. This is just a pattern we see, right? It's probably not that you haven't found a good marketing channel. It's probably not that you live in the wrong place or whatever. It's probably that there's a mental limiter. And a lot of those mental limiters look something like this. It's a knowledge game. So maybe you do need to improve your knowledge of sales and product development, but it's also an issue of psychologically, are you willing to take ownership and take responsibility and do your own thing? If you're in love with comparing yourself on Instagram, it's 
or if you're building a business, honestly, to validate yourself. Yeah. Look, this isn't a game of how can I solve my problems? How can I validate myself? How can I impress people around me? It's really about, and this is coming back to the dreamline. It's about sitting down and saying, look, this is my life. I'd really love that if I have the opportunity to live a couple more decades, I'm not sitting there saying, what ifs, coulda, shoulda, wouldas. You can't get buried with it. And one of the cool things, I think for me, the most appealing thing about the entrepreneurial project is it's a real legitimate chance to do your thing, to do your own adventure, to go after life in a way that only you can see is good for you. You know, like that's, that's you're your own full, complete person. Look, you can be that and to have a job. I don't, I don't want to insinuate that this is like the way to live the good life, right? What I want to say is that the people listening to this, a lot of us, there's some itch. There's some bug in our crawl that's saying, man, wouldn't it be great if you went out and, and did that thing that you wanted to do? Wouldn't it be great if you owned your time and that you could spend it on projects that you love? Well, that opportunity exists right now. And I think that that's why we come here every week and talk about it. If that's your thing, right? It might not be your thing here's the important bit is that no one else is ever going to come and give that to you. Not your mentor, not your boss, not your dad, not your mom, and certainly not the people who are liking your shit on Instagram. It's going to have to come from you. It's not going to come from your partner. You know, it's not going to come from anywhere but you. Right. And both these questions have been very us and you centric kind of almost like personal development questions, but here's, here's the part where it starts to get interesting and, you can actually help yourself with others. Way back when, when we started our business together, Dan. 2007. 2007, we said we were in a very similar position to the people that are writing into the show. And he said, how can I improve my situation, whether it be personal, financial, whatever. I have an itch to do something better for myself. And then on the opposite side of the coin, and maybe even more importantly, especially in the beginning, is how can I involve other people to make this a reality? How can I improve other people's lives while improving my own life? I have to sell something that solves a problem for people. I have to create a service that helps people. This isn't just about us. I think it's a great idea to improve your life, but chances are you're going to need other people's help while you do that. Absolutely. You know, when I look back, Dan, at our business and the things that we've accomplished in the last 10 years, it has certainly not been us by ourselves. It's been a culmination of employees, team members, partners, customers, all these people have fulfilled the dream. And so I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're sitting on a beach trying to figure out how to improve your situation, you should really be thinking about who are the people around me right now that I can work together with to improve my situation. And then how can I as fast as possible start solving other people's problems. Because once you start solving other people's problems, your problems, I think, will become a lot easier to solve. Yeah, totally. We love your questions. Thank you for your prompts, questions. Click that iPhone. Record yourself. We want to hear from you. Send it over to jane at tropicalmba.com. You might get yourself on the show or check out tropicalmba.com slash subscribe. If you want to comment what happens when you get on the show, Dan? Can we get these people like a shirt or a hat or something like that? I don't want to make promises we can't deliver on, but... If you can't get these hats made in the next <laughs> year and a half, I'm going to quit because I keep putting on this Brooklyn Nets hat and I love... Go Nets, but I don't feel like I have made it until I'm wearing a trucker cap with my logo on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> We're going to get on those hats. Trust me. TropicalMBA.com slash subscribe. 
Give us a question. We got a form there, and we appreciate you listening to this podcast. We'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.